we are talking about that spirit thing called tongues. And um, if you're new to church, um, welcome. Really glad you're here. And um, this is part two of uh, just a two-part series, a two-sermon series on this thing called tongues. This spirit thing called tongues. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go and grab that. It's on YouTube, and we have also audio versions on our website and podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Um, Good news, you can just be at ease. No one is going to expect you to do anything crazy. Um, But I think that this message illustrates the fact that the secret things belong to God, that there is a mystery to what God does in and through us. There's a mystery even in the fact that I give my life to Jesus, and then He makes me new. And he gives me the gift of his Holy Spirit to live with me for the rest of my life, to empower me, to give me the love and the power that I need to be able to actually live this life out. That's supernatural and mysterious just by itself. But this somehow turns the dial up a little bit because it's no one talks about it. So Mark 16, little quoted verse, the end of Mark, and these signs will accompany those who believe. By the way, this is Jesus talking. In my name, they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, they will drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all, and they will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Some of you are thinking about Appalachia right now, and I want you to come back to Chico. We're not going to be handling any snakes, ever, if I can help it, right? Or drink poison, because I read a news report about two pastors from Kentucky who decided to try this out, drink poison, and they unfortunately died. As it turns out, God gives us a brain to use, and they failed to do that. I don't want to make light of someone dying, but um, these are the silly ways that sometimes we look at the Scriptures, and yet at the same time, we sometimes try to erase out or somehow put away the things we don't understand or can't understand. And tongues is in this category. For Jesus to say, these signs will accompany those who believe. I'm going to take what Jesus has to say, really. There's, there's just a lot of weight there. And yet at the same time, those of you who are scholars, I know you're saying no, but the earliest manuscripts don't contain this. I think there's, uh, there's evidence to the contrary. I believe that, that this is what Jesus says. So, four ways we talked a little bit about last week. Just a quick review here because we've got lots to say. So, I'm going to try to talk fast. Sorry, you'll have to listen fast. Four ways tongues works. First of all, this is an actual known language that comes out of your mouth, that someone else hears it and goes, hey, I recognize that. Uh, We'll talk about that in a minute. Second one is a prayer language. Now, by the way, prayer language, this idea, uh, it's a concept, but it's not actually in the Bible. These words aren't in the Bible. I'm trying to make sure that I point to, to the things that are in the Bible and what's not in the Bible. This is not in the Bible, but it's a helpful way to think about this private practice of, of speaking in another language that the speaker or the prayer doesn't understand. Third, a form of praise. We're going to see in uh, 1 Corinthians 14 today this idea of singing in the Spirit, the idea that you would actually sing in a language that you can't understand. I've never done that before, actually. That's, that would be a new one for me. Uh, fourth is tongues with interpretation. That w- we're also going to see that in 1 Corinthians 14, the idea that someone would stand up Uh, in a public gathering, and they would speak in a different language that they don't understand, and then someone else would stand up and actually 
give us that interpretation. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about my journey with this concept. So I grew up in neighborhood church. I wouldn't know tongues if it jumped up and bit me. Had never heard it before I was, you know, in my 30s when someone was praying. And I figured it must have been something that people did very loudly and in a very scary way. So I was like, you know what, I could skip that gift. I like all the other ones, but I think that one seems a little bit weird to me. And I ran across a friend of mine, and um, as I'm looking out the window one day, she says, uh, Andrew, have you ever spoken in tongues? I said, no, I haven't. He said, she said, well, the Lord's going to give you that gift. I'm like, all right. The Lord wants to give me that gift. That's great. But I'm, you know, I'm not running around under bushes looking for it. It's just, I, I'm just doing ministry. I'm doing the things. And, and if the Lord wants to give me that gift, that's great. A little bit of a passive mindset in as far as the way that I looked at tongues. So the Lord had to disarm me to a certain degree in order to be open to this. So what did he do? I woke up one night speaking in tongues. And I'm like, what is going on with me? I think I've lost my mind. Did I tell anyone? No. Did I even tell my wife? Nope. Nope. This is weird, guys. I don't know. I, but the Lord's like, yeah, I needed you to like get your brain out of the way so I can show you that this is something that actually could happen in you. Okay, Lord. By the way, I've never told these stories before ever, so nothing like taking a risk, throwing things out there that you never shared. So there, there is this sense for some that there is a spontaneous flow of tongues that just comes out of their mouth. I had a conversation with one of my friends earlier this, uh, this morning, and they were talking about being in a very desperate place, crying out to God on the beach, and all of a sudden they just crumbled to their knees, and then out comes this language. And it wasn't like they tried, it just happened. Talked to another one of my friends this week, that when they were a, a very young person, desperate on a plane, there's desperation is a theme here, desperate on a plane and going uh, to help a family member and it leans her head against the, the airplane window and is praying in English and then all of a sudden doesn't realize it, but she's now praying in some other language, some other tongue. And the person next to her said, do you know Hawaiian? And she just said, no, no, no. So there are some times when this spontaneously comes out that you didn't see it coming, you weren't like actually participating, opening your mouth, saying the thing that you feel like the Lord was putting on your mind. And yet there's others of us like myself. So I had that little spontaneous moment when I was sleeping, which is so I'm still trying to figure that out, right? But then fast forwarding to 2019. So let me be clear, because some of you don't know me. I had never experienced this gift before 2019. I'm like, you know what? I'm good. If the Lord never allows me to do this, it's okay. I'm, I'm, it, this is not about two classes of people, by the way, those who have it and those who don't. Please, neighborhood church, I beg you, do not fall into pride and arrogance, but instead choose humility and say, Lord, if this is what you want, I, I'm willing but I'm also willing to be okay if you, this is something you don't want to give me. Just that openness. So we have the fire in 2018. The amount of grief that I was carrying, I can't even talk about it without having a hard time emotionally. 
was so heavy and so deep. And I think the church thought, oh, we need to get you out of Dodge, dude. You are messed up. I was messed up. I needed healing. And yet what I needed was Jesus to heal me. I needed an encounter with the Lord. I mean, counseling is super helpful, and I love having that as a tool in coaching, but I needed the Lord. So I go out to Ireland, and I spend nine days by myself. We're doing a scout trip for bringing other groups in the, in the future, but I was just spending time with Jesus. People asked me, I didn't know anybody. People would ask me, why are you here? I'm here to meet with Jesus and get healed. I'm like, okay, that's really weird. All right. So I found myself at a Holy Spirit weekend. Uh, it's a ministry of, of Alpha, Nikki Gumbel, and the folks at Holy Trinity Brompton in, in London. And so one of the teachings is about tongues. And so I happened to be there on the night when they were talking about tongues. And the guy was sharing about it. And I, mind you, I don't know anybody in the whole room. I'm, I'm just like, I could just drink this in. And I'm like, Lord, I think I need this. But I don't know. I'm not going to make this happen. I'm just going to trust you, God, that if this is you, this is, this is what's going to happen. And so I'm there praying, and the music's playing, and the people are, there's different people laying their hands and praying for me, not necessarily for tongues, just, just praying for me. And then people would ask me, uh, what are you here for? I said, I'm here to get healed. Great. And so they're praying for healing and stuff. But in my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, if this is you, so I began to open my mouth and just say the few words that were coming to my mind. It just seemed like nonsense, and all of a sudden, it just was flowing out of me. And I thought, oh, I think this is the gift of tongues, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I never experienced it before and now, but I don't, I don't know any of these people. I'm not, you know, I don't feel worried about them thinking one way or another about me, but this is really strange. So day after day after day, I'm then driving across the Irish countryside in the car, which is, by the way, the very best place to experience this phenomenon. And I'm so I'm like, well, Lord, I'm just going to try this out. So I'm just trying out this prayer language thing, driving around, and, and just really putting my brain in a place of just saying, Lord, I just love you. I trust you, and I, I want this to be you. And then doubt came in. The enemy is like, ha ha, you're just making this all up, aren't you? What's wrong with you, pastor boy? <laughs> enemy, by the way, his voice in my, in my head is just, just really, it's awful. And I'm like, no, but this is the Lord. This is the Lord. Well, you should prove it then. And I'm just like, oh, I'm driving. And I'm driving on the motorway. Now, I've had the most extreme adventures with the Lord within 24 hours of this happening. I mean, crazy miracles that we don't have time to talk about today. However, so I'm just like, Lord, will you show me? So I just begin praying in tongues. And then I stop. And then I start again. And then all of a sudden, it's just totally different. What's coming out of my mouth is totally different. I thought, well, that's really weird. And I stop, and that happens again. And I'm like, oh, man, now I'm really going crazy. I'm creating something different every time. What's going on? The last time, the fourth time, this, like, groaning, grunting something came out of me. I'm like, what is that? And I felt like the Lord whispered to me, that is the language of this land. I'm showing you that this is me. Okay, I'll just not doubt because what the Lord planted in faith, we shouldn't pull up out of fear. Now, do I need to prove it to somebody? No. But does God want to confirm this to us? Yeah. So the pressure's off. You don't have to worry or wonder. He's going to confirm it to you. How does he confirm it? I think oftentimes through his fruit, through his peace, and through his strength. So 
If you're engaging in tongues and you feel stronger and more peaceful at the end, that doesn't come from the enemy. That only comes from the Lord. Thank you for sending your questions in last week. I had 48 questions to try to figure out how to answer during this sermon. So A, put your seatbelts on. And B, I might not get to everyone specifically, but I'm trying to speak to each concept as much as possible. So it's okay for me to ask, God, is it, will you show, this, show me if this is you? That's not a lack of faith. That's just saying, Lord, I, I want to know more. I want to seek you. And when I seek you, you'll be found by me. So it's okay for us to ask for an interpretation when we sense that God is expressing himself in this way through us. Say, Lord, what, what is it that's on your heart? And oftentimes after I've spoken in tongues, then all of a sudden the Lord begins to show me things. He gives me words that are intelligible that I get, a little bit of direction or encouragement. So this whole thing, if you're new, is all about prayer. It's all about coming closer to God. This is a vehicle to be able to communicate from my spirit, his spirit communicating through me to his spirit. And, and so this is not about show. This is not about whether you have it or not. This is not about whether you're spiritual or not. So four ways that tongues... Um, things that... What would I say here? Teachings we say nope to. <laughs> well, first of all, we say no to the idea that tongues have ceased, that they're not for today. We say no to the idea that if you're saved, you have to speak in tongues to show that you're saved. And there are some streams of Christianity that would say that. And the third one, if you're filled with the Spirit, then you will speak in tongues every single time. And we don't believe that either. And you're going to see that from 1 Corinthians 14 today. Some of you uh, ask questions about emotions and tongues. And um, by the way, emotions are good. We don't think emotions are all bad. They can be fickle, and they can sometimes, uh, you know, war, and the enemy can, can try to get it to us that way. But emotions are good. And it's interesting. I, I saw reference to a study in England uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, nearly 1,000 evangelical Christians in England found, uh, they, they surveyed them, and they found that those who engaged in the practice of singing or speaking in tongues were more emotionally stable than those who did not. It'd be really easy, and this is one of the, some of the questions, to think, oh, this is just an emotionalism. But actually, the scientific studies show that there's actually more peace and a sense of stability. Now, I'm not saying if you don't speak in tongues, you're not emotionally stable. Don't get me wrong. But I just thought that was really interesting and fascinating that that would be the case. So, Chin. Come on up. So I have two testimonies for you this morning, and um, I think testimonies are really important because you need to hear real humans that aren't a pastor um, sharing about what this might have looked like for them. And for Chin, um, from China, she comes to the U.S., and she doesn't know anybody, and she's kind of, I think, I'm going to put words in your mouth, but I think you're kind of wondering, did I make a mistake? Is this the right thing? And, and so you're in this meeting, and at the end of this meeting, it's in a Pentecostal church, um, this, this guy begins to speak in tongues way over on the other side. Now, what happened? Uh, what happened? I pray. I say, God, is that you want me to connect with this guy? Because... 
Before uh, this class, and I reject my Chinese friend's prayer because if you have trouble, everybody would like to pray for you. And I already struggle as a new baby in, you know, new Christian uh, baby in America. A lot of things too much for me. Yeah, like America's a, too much in a lot of ways. Yeah, crazy. Like a, yeah. a worship time, 45 minutes. Yeah. Like a, it's uh, a long time. Every day. Yeah. I can't bear that. So I told my friend, I, I can't bear, and especially the soaking time, like uh, today, your wife, Linda, said, okay, anybody has de depression, you, will, you won't get uh, suffering anymore, I pray that, and like soaking time, somebody just screaming, and I feel so scared, so it's crazy, that environment, Yes. so I say, I told my Chinese friend, no, I'm, I'm so scared, and don't pray for me, Especially, God showed me the power. <laughs> so I go back to the class. That is a, a two-hour class. Yeah, have a break in the middle. So after two-hour uh, class, I say, okay, four o'clock, I should go. But uh, they keep uh, pray, uh, start the worship time, and encourage people like uh, uh, from uh, slide say four. It's exactly for like you can praise God and prayer and mm -hmm. when you worship. Yep. So somebody worship God, pray, and in come. So I said, oh, come on, let's come on again. And I want to go, it's four o'clock. And that is what happened. Somebody there speak in tongue. I can understand. You understood it? Yeah. Because he was speaking in Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. But he, what, when you went to ask him, you interviewed him because you yeah. were an interview back, you were an interviewer back in China and you asked him things like, hey. do you know Chinese? Yeah. Do you have any Chinese friends? Yeah. Do you know any Chinese phrases? Yeah. And he said, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, so I say, oh my gosh, what happened? <laughs> Is that uh, before the class, I asked God, show me your power and I will let people pray for me. I will stay here. Um, you know, probably two hours later, I can meet with my husband there. So otherwise, I just go back to China. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I start to crying. I say, you know, you speak in my language, although you don't know anything about my language, my country, even the simple words, that is, you say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, I love you, I love you, Jesus. Like, And then, you know, at that time, I see here, and he's there very loud. I already, already started crying, you know, in American. Nobody can speak Chinese with me in the class. You know, everything is English. Sometimes I confuse, I can't understand the posture on the class very well. So anyway, I start to cry, and I feel God show me his power, want me to under experience his love, because after I crying, you know, everybody surrounded me, almost 20 people lay hands, pray for me, and all their prayer exactly answer all my, you know, culture bomb about the life in America, about a new Christian, you know, went to the American church. So I rejected God, want somebody to pray for me. One guy said, my girlfriend, right? If 
finally ending like two hours later, I received 20 people pray for me. And I cry and I feel God, you know, zoom out. God seeking, I'm there. Hey, my little girl. Hey, hey. You experience me, huh? And yeah, you don't like to pray uh, 40, 45 minutes in worship. You don't speak in tongues, scare you. And uh, la, 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 something is too much to you. See, you know me now. Yeah, this is oh, my story. That's so great. Thanks, Chin. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, Kurt and Chin are uh, heading to China soon, right, Kurt? Two, two days from now. Lord, we pray for this trip that you would bless, honor, and we pray for divine connections for them as they're on this adventure together in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's super exciting. I'm glad you guys are going. Thank you, Chin, for, for sharing. Uh, Devin Tower, come up. Devin's going to share a quick story here. Uh, I, I took a poll last week, and if you weren't here... Uh, the poll was 47% of the people that responded said, yep, I've spoken in tongues. 52% said, nope, haven't done that before. So um, if you wondered kind of where Neighborhood Church is on this, we're all over the map, which is exactly where we usually are. Devin, you, you gave your life to Jesus at a party, and it was a really fun story that we could probably hear the whole story later. But you have this moment, tell us, you come to Christ what you hear, and then this later, this tongues experience. Yeah, so uh, these men were praying for me, and I've shared this part of my testimony before, and this presence filled the room that had so much tangible weight that I was forced to my knees. No one was touching me at this point. And I heard in my head a voice say, Devin, you are my son. Today I have adopted you, and I will be with you forever. And I'm just like bawling on the floor, and I, and I can't stand up. You could have offered me $1,000 of cash, just stand up. I couldn't do it. So I'm crawling back to my chair, and, um, and I open up my Bible, and it falls open to John 14, 27, where Christ is talking all about giving us his peace. And I'm just having the most you know, incredible time, and I'm able to get up, and I'm sitting in my chair. And then the person at the front goes okay, we're going to, you know, ask for God to give us the gift of tongues. And, um, and the whole room just explodes, in my mind, with crazy. Um, and everybody is just, like, shouting. And, and, you know, I'm here. I just had this amazing experience with God. And I'm looking around and going, oh, I'm in crazy town. Okay, wait a minute. What, what is going on here? And I am not having a good time because there's so much cognitive dissonance in my mind about what is occurring. And, uh, and I'm sitting down and, and the gentleman who led me to the Lord comes over and sits next to me and is like, hey, how are you doing? You know, have you spoken in tongues? And I look at him like, where have you taken me? Um, <laughs> and I said, no, and I, I don't think this is in the Bible. I think this is nuts. And he goes, well, what about 1 Corinthians 14? I'm like, what about 1 Corinthians 14? He opens up the Bible. We read through 1 Corinthians 14 together. And, and in that chapter, it's explicit that one of the manifestations of tongues is prayer that is unintelligible to the human mind. That it's not only 
actual languages like Chin heard that is a valid expression of tongues. There is unintelligible tongues. And I'm looking at that and going, oh, okay, it is in the Bible. Okay, well, God, uh, this is crazy, but if you want to give me this, okay. And, um, and, you know, nothing happens. My friend turns to me and says, you know, sometimes, and I didn't know this about your story, but he, he said, the Lord will just give you one word. And if you hear a word, even if it doesn't make sense to you, just pray it. And just pray that word over and over and see if the Lord does anything. And so I'm, I'm sitting in my chair. I'm asking, like, Lord, I'm open. Like, if you want me to speak in tongues, I'm open. And I hear the word, Barushaba. Barushaba. And I'm like, Barushaba. That's, which is also, I failed Spanish. I can't roll my R's. But when I speak in tongues, there's so much R rolling going on, which is also super bizarre. That is weird. Um, like, anyway. So I'm just praying, Barushaba, Barushaba, Barushaba. And then all of a sudden, this floodgate opens. And I'm just hearing myself praying in this language that I don't understand. And like you said, I'm filled with this incredible peace. And um, uh, so that was my experience with that. Well, then later, I still was questioning, like, okay, did, you know, did I just make that up? Like, you know, what's up with this? And I was reading through the book of Genesis, and there's this part in Genesis where there's a, a well called the well of uh, Beersheba, which means the well of the oath. And then there's another uh, well called Beer Lahairoi, which means the well of the living God who sees me. And um, uh, the word beer there is speaking about well, but the word Sheba means oath. Well, you know what's so funny is Barushaba begins with the, the word bar, which in Hebrew means son. And I later realized then this word that I had heard means son of the oath, right after God had given me this oath and promise that he would be with me forever. And uh, so that was, that was just amazing. There you go. <laughs> right? Thanks, Devin. Okay, some of you are sufficiently freaked out. But we serve a living God who wants to do miracles, signs, and wonders. He wants to connect with us in ways that we've never connected with somebody before. And yet he's so kind. He's so kind. It's interesting as we look at the book of Acts, I mentioned this last week, that when you look at the 22 stories where people become disciples of Jesus... Only three of those stories include speaking in tongues, meaning not every time someone comes to Christ do they speak in tongues. Now, I had a question last week about, well, is this a heavenly language that demons don't understand? Great question. I have no idea what the answer is. There's no proof, if, but if this is all about prayer and intercession and devotion, your spirit talking to God, I, I don't worry about whether the enemy knows what I'm praying or not. Now, this might come also from 1 Corinthians 13, 1. If I speak with the tongue of men of, or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. So perhaps this is where people get this concept of a heavenly language. It might be. I don't know. 
I don't have to know. I just know that I don't understand it when I'm speaking it. And that's generally what Paul says as well in 1 Corinthians 14. But don't miss this. You can do all of the spirit things, but if you don't have love, you are noise, not music. A gong is a great piece of, of instrumentation in the midst of a beautiful orchestration in the right spot. Otherwise, it's just noise, and it keeps you from being able to even think, right? So without love, it's interesting, there is three chapters, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. They're all about orderly worship in the church. 13 is all about love. You probably heard that quoted at weddings and things like that. But 12 and 14, the bigger context, is these spiritual gifts. So let's talk about the word gifts. Um, If I had my way, I would begin rewriting um, what we use in our English Bibles, um, which is probably not wise because I'm probably not the greatest Greek scholar but I'm here to argue that this word charismata or charisma, you, you hear that word, where that word comes from, this is uh, an endowment of grace. This is favor that's poured out on you. By the way, Paul invents this word. As far as my study, there is no other place in classical Greek where this word shows up. He's just like, um, well, we're just going to worshipify it. You know, just worshipify. What is that? I don't know. I just made it up. Just kind of like, do the thing. So, there's one place where spiritual and this word charisma comes together. It's in 1 Corinthians 1.7. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. In other words, you're not lacking in anything. The Holy Spirit's going to give you everything you need. And, and so, there's these two words that are put together there. Now, as we look at 1 Corinthians 12, it says there are different kinds of charismaton, gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, the showing of the Spirit, the fruit, is given for the common good. So here Paul is talking about one body that the body of Christ, the church is a body, and we're all connected, and we work together. And then God empowers and enables different parts of the body to do different things at different times. It's the same Holy Spirit that's working, but you're going to need a little bit of this. You're going to need a little bit of that. You're going to need a little bit of that. You don't buy everyone the same Christmas present. You say, hmm, I wonder what would be good for him. That's, That's what God does. He's very kind like that. So, in this passage, he goes through nine different gifts, if you will, and one of those is to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing between spirits, and to another speaking in different kinds of tongues. So, this idea of this empowerment or this endowment of grace to be able to do this is one of those quote-unquote gifts. So that passage really kind of points to the fact that not everyone speaks in tongues, but you already know that. And we're not limited to just having one way that Spirit moves through us, right? So when we look at 1 Corinthians 14 in a minute, that's what we're going to walk through really quickly and briefly today. It starts with, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Gifts of the Spirit. This word is not charismata. It's Pneumaticos. What does pneumaticos mean? 
means spirit stuff. It means the stuff that the spirit does. It does not mean gifts. I'm not going to rewrite the Bible. It's okay. I really believe the real gift that we receive is the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit is expressed in many ways through us as we surrender more and more and more. So, you know, there's different lists of gifts in the Bible. Have you noticed this? If you go to different places, you're like, why don't, this is the same list. What's the deal here? Well, it's because this is not about a formula or a box that God gets put in. He does something different through each of us at different times. He does all sorts of different things we see in 1 Corinthians 12, but it's the same God who's working through each of us. This is what it's not. It's not superhero land, right? Well, I've got the gift of distinguishing between spirits. I can see things. And then somebody else is like, I got the gift of administration. I'm really good with spreadsheets. I feel like maybe I didn't get the really attractive gift. It's not like that. We, it is a superpower if you are in business or even in any, in any world. But my point is this. When we see it like superheroes and superpowers, well, I've got this and you've got that. It's so ugly. It's so arrogant. It's so not love. Clinging gong, right? So I just want you to see this idea. I'm probably not going to rewrite the Bible. They won't get me the chance to like rewrite that word gift out of there because I think it just gets misunderstood in English. But this is grace that God is expressing himself through us. It's all about our surrender to him, making more room here so that he does more work through in and through us. So God's always doing a new thing. He He doesn't want to be put in a box. Now, I got to take a couple little detours here because, well, we do. So, Pentecostal theology would say that um, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, then you receive the gift of tongues. And, and some of you come from a Pentecostal background. I'm probably going to pet the gap backwards for you, but I'm going to be biblical and tell you that in the seven places where we see baptized in the Holy Spirit, actually four of those are, are about John the Baptist telling us that this baptism is coming, and the other three are not so clear as far as how Pentecostal theology has worked. Um, now, what I think Pentecostal theology is trying to do is emphasize our need for surrendering to God. And when we surrender to Him more, God shows up and He does the pneumaticos. He does the spirit things. It, you could cry, you could laugh, you could fall down, you could, you could speak in different languages, you might have a word of prophecy, you might have a word of wisdom, and it goes on and on and on. And so, I think what the what the Pentecostals said was, well, there's this other thing that happens later, a hundred percent. And I think that the better biblical word is filling, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And, and Ephesians 5 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the, in Greek, this is be being filled. Keep asking. We leak, apparently, right? And we need to surrender more and more and enlarge our hearts so we could do more and more and be more surrendered to Him. And so, uh, I'm not going to throw anybody out of the church on words, but, but I, wanna, I, I will always pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. By the way, same thing as baptized by the Holy Spirit. Baptism is an initiation, right? You get dunked. Filled, you get dunked, right? It's just words. 
Same concept. Thanks for letting me make some of you ticked off. I totally disagree with you. You don't know what you're doing. When you give your life to Jesus, you surrender to him, you get all the Holy Spirit. It's not like, well, you get the down payment, but later you're going to need more. You, yes, you will always need more, but you get the full, the full dose on the front end, right? And the Alliance, we're all about these crises of faith, these subsequent fillings of the Holy Spirit. This is like totally old school Alliance doctrine. 100% we're going to have an encounter with God. It's going to change my life. I mean, Chin would tell you that day, it changed her life. Now she doesn't really worry if worship goes 45 minutes. I'm quoting her. By the way, you don't need someone to pray a magical prayer over you. There is not some way for you to ask that's magical. There is no formula to this. Americans, stop looking for formulas. He wants relationship with you. This is about relationship. This is not about the way to do it. And sometimes we're filled with the Spirit and we speak in languages we don't know. So, really quickly, you guys are so attentive. I'm so thankful. Um, 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14 is the largest and most robust treatment of tongues. It, it, Paul tells us so much. It is a letter written to a church in a time frame. So in that case, think about the fact that he's dealing with a lot of chaos in the church. And so 12 through 14, like I said, is talking about the weekly gathering in the church. What should this look like? And then in, verse, in chapter 12, he lists those nine manifestations, the nine, nine of the ways that the pneumaticos, the stuff that the Spirit does. And then in chapter 14, he takes two of the nine, the most problematic, tongues, and the most important, prophecy, and he contrasts those all throughout the whole chapter. And the Corinthians have the opposite problem as us. The Corinthians have like, they, they have everybody speaking in tongues all at the same time, right? This is the context. Why? They don't have the Bible. They're having to rely on words of prophecy and words in tongues that will be interpreted. And then maybe every once in a while, the apostle will be there to teach, or maybe there'll be a letter to read, but they're following the Holy Spirit. So the context looks pretty different, right? I mean, can you imagine if all of you just started speaking in tongues and I'm just trying to sort out, like, what do we do next? So this is what's going on in this. Um, and by the way, just really quickly, Paul's not down on tongues, and you're going to see that. Okay? So we're going to read through this. I'll make a couple comments here and there. Chapter 14, verse 1, follow the way of love. There's love again, right? It's hearkening back to the... the Chapter 13, and eagerly desire pneumaticos, the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. All right, so we're seeing that people aren't understanding these words. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort, Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies or builds themselves up, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So he's saying, hey, if you prophesy, you're saying something that's going to be intelligible to everybody there. Everybody's going to benefit. If you speak in tongues, that will benefit you. 
And yet at the same time, he says, eagerly desire these things. Some of you are like, I don't want to eagerly desire this. It's okay. Tongues aren't targeted at other people. They're targeted to God. So he says in verse 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Can you imagine if Apostle Paul showed up this morning and told you that? You're like, okay, that's really clear. But I would rather have you prophesy, he says. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. So there are occasions where someone might stand up and speak in tongues in a public setting. And at that point, there needs to be interpretation so that it can build up the body. Basically, oftentimes it becomes a prophetic word at that point. Verse 6, now brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, so Paul shows up and speaks in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Then Paul uses some metaphors to help him understand. Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or the harp, musical instruments, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? In other words, it's just going to be noise if there's not rhythm and tonality to music. Again, verse 8, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? This is a military uh, reference. It says, wait a second, if, if a general was trying to get its troops to either advance or fall back, you, they would use the trumpet or the blowing of the horn. And can you imagine how messed up things would be if you thought that that horn meant charge and it really meant retreat, and then all of a sudden you were out there by yourself with the enemy? And the best way to ruin something beautiful is to abuse this whole concept, this what, what we call tongues. Verse 13, for this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. Let's stop right there. Some of you ask the question, is it okay for me to ask for an interpretation of what I just spoke in tongues? Sure. You have to ask God whatever you want, anytime you want. And he's not going to penalize you. He's going to be so blessed that you're asking him questions and trying to connect with him. Pressure's off. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. But what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit in tongues, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, singing in tongues, but I will also sing with my understanding. Both are helpful. Both are profitable. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the Spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving since they don't know what you're saying? You're giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. So Paul's saying your mind is not praying. In this case, with tongues, your spirit is just praying, pouring itself out to, to God. And he encourages both. For us, English speakers, English, and something that we don't know. Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. This is the classic Paul, Paul mic drop, and I speak more in, in tongues more than all of you. Why does he say this? This is important because the context is he's in this place where they're speaking in tongues like, like crazy, and he doesn't because he's there to instruct and make sure they're built up. 
And they're like, we're way more spiritual than you. He's like, and I speak more in tongues than all of you. It's Paul. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Why did he use 10,000? Because it's the highest Greek number that there is. It's like kajillion. It's like gajillion, you know, that many words. Verse 20, brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. In your thinking, be adults. In the law, it's written, this is Isaiah, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. Boy, I spent some time on this verse this week. It is really confusing. And here's what I believe so far. In this Isaiah context, you have judgment of those who are outside, um, outside the house of God, if you will. And I believe that when someone comes in and they're hearing tongues, it's like a judgment and pushing them away. So far, that's the, all the clarity I've gotten. Verse 23, so if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquires or unbelievers come in, and that might be you this morning, you're like, what is going on? Will they not say that you are out of your mind? That's exactly what Devin was saying. But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they're speaking and reporting what God is showing them. They're convicted of sin and they're brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare so that they will fall down and worship God, explaining, ex- exclaiming, God is really among you. When you see something that only God knows, it's verbalized. You go, man, God is real. So this is why we have a protocol here at Neighborhood Church that says that we practice tongues in private and that if there is a word in tongues in a public gathering, then we ask for an interpretation. So now some of you ask questions like, well, what if somebody's just too chicken to stand up and give the interpretation and then all of a sudden... Like, we're not going to throw you out of the church if you're wrong. Otherwise, there'd be nobody here. I wouldn't be here. We all get thrown out, right? So we're not looking to try to make someone's life miserable. But we have to have order in the church, right? If somebody just start, stood up and started yelling in English, you kind of think right now, you think maybe that was a little bit like bad timing. If you're going to yell at Andrew, probably do it after the service. Or not at all. How about not at all? Do you see my point? So, so this idea of asking for interpretation isn't mean-spirited. It's not harsh. It's just shepherding. i got to get down to the end of this thing, guys. It's so important for you to hear God's Word on this. So what should we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word, revelation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So, Let's stop right here. Think about the church not in the context of Corinth. It didn't look like this. It probably looked more like your small group. It was probably meeting in homes in small contexts. Now, um, as far as the rest of this passage is concerned, I just want to point out a couple quick things. Verse 32, the spirit of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace, as in all congregations of the Lord's people. So, 
In other words, he's not going to violate your will. You've got to partner with him. He usually doesn't just completely take over your body and have you do something completely inappropriate. I say usually because I have a few friends that because they were walking in pride, the Lord just humbled them by giving them something very spontaneously. You want to avoid that? Humble yourself. Verse 34, because I'm rolling and I might as well go ahead and open up all the cans. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. I could just feel the, the, uh, the blood pressure going up. You hate Paul. Don't hate Paul. This context, this cultural context. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Now, first of all, <laughs> says the guy whose wife just preached two weeks ago. Um, so here's the deal. Women in the first century were not educated, and they would be, let's say, think about your, your house church, and every time somebody says something, they're like, Hey, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? And nothing is getting done. And it's this, this like, guys, what is going on? Going, hey, go home, ask those questions. It's interrupting what's, what's supposed to be happening here. I preached on 1 uh, Timothy 2 a few years ago. It's on our website if you want to hear more about where we're at. But no, this is not as clear as it seems to be. Yes, we have women empowered and at every table in leadership at Neighborhood Church. And yes, we have them preach. And no, we don't think they're supposed to be silent in the church. We believe that Paul is all things to all people so that he might win some. And so then he accommodates culture. I mean, he takes poor first, first Timothy. Gosh, come on, Andrew, get it together. He takes Timothy as an adult and circumcises him so that he can minister to the Jews. Yikes! I mean, this is like, Timothy's like, can we just not be that committed to culture a little bit less, please? So if he's going to do that, certainly he's going to think about um, the roles of men and women in the culture of the first century. All right. Here's the deal. A lot of questions that I can't answer succinctly, and I will throw a podcast out probably in two weeks from now and try to cover anything else. But this is about desperation for so many of us. So many of us have experienced this gift because we were in a desperate place. And for some of you are like, but I just really want the gift. Well, that's great. And I, you should eagerly desire all the spirit things. But maybe God wants to give you something different. Maybe he wants to work in this season in a different way through you. There is no lack of maturity that you have because you haven't spoken in tongues yet. <laughs> I can guarantee you, these Corinthians, you read the rest of the book, they're struggling with their sanctification. I mean, they are not living. I mean, Paul's coming down hard on them. And that they're, they have more tongues going on than anybody. So tongues aren't a mark of your spirituality or maturity. And there are times, once again, about desperation where... We need to be strengthened, and this is, tongues are one of the ways that God strengthens us. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. God, then this is what, this is what comes out. Sometimes when you're overwhelmed by something beautiful and you just want to praise God, once you've kind of started this whole tongues adventure, then that just more quickly comes to your mouth. Um, so this is about timing and trusting God, trusting God that knows He knows what you need, and he doesn't withhold good things. And yet, good things 
at the wrong time are not right things and the best things. So it's about continuing to seek God. It's about prayer and intimacy with God. It's about a love relationship. You know, um, you know, when a husband and wife are at the altar and they kiss each other on the lips, that's such a weird thing. Have you ever thought about that? You're putting your mouth on someone else's mouth. You do weird things when you're in close intimacy with someone, right? And yet when, we're, when we don't know each other as well, we're much more formal and linear. And the same is true with this idea of tongues and growing in our relationship, that this is another way that we build intimacy. And it is a strange thing. Last thing. If you want to step into this, this was the question I wrestled with the most because there's no formula for this. And just, this is just a couple ideas. And there are people in this room that have forgotten more about tongues than I've ever known. So I just want to just submit what my, where I am on the journey. But how do you step on, into this? Create space. Slow down. Humble yourself before God. Seek Him. Ask Him. Tell Him what you want. Give it a shot. Let the air run through your mouth. And if you feel like there's one word or one phrase, try it. Do something. It's interesting. The more I have exercised this expression of the Holy Spirit. See, I can't even say, say gift. I'm just ruined. Sorry, guys. Um, the more I, ex- I express this, the, the easier it comes to my mind and to my mouth. Well, really not to my mind. It really just comes out of my mouth. And there is great peace. What if somebody pressures you about this? Because this came up lots of times. And this has come up for some of you, and you've been really hurt. Well, first of all, kindly thank them for trying to help and remove yourself. Second of all, come get pastoral help to bring some, some balance and some kindness and some redirection. Why would somebody put pressure on you to speak in tongues? Well, I was thinking about that. Because they've experienced it, and they think it's really groovy, and they want you to experience it too. It's just their enthusiasm. Our goal is to lovingly shepherd this. And I'd love to have a conversation with you if you want to have a one-on-one conversation with me about this. I'll share more about my experiences. Uh, I'd love to hear where you're at. We'd love to pray for you. We'll have folks uh, up here to pray for folks at the end. We'd love to pray for you that if this is something that you want to receive, that the Lord will give it to you. But you don't need someone to pray over you or to lay hands on you. Sometimes that's helpful. But most of my friends have gotten this gift with no one else around. Now, you might be saying, well, why haven't I received this? Because I've been asking. And I would just say, keep surrendering to the Holy Spirit because He knows the right timing. I didn't experience this until I was 48. I wouldn't say, oh, my ministry was just awful before that. And I didn't ever do anything that was really spirit-led or exciting before I was 48. No. I had a full, rich life with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, we had this other thing. I'm like, whoa, this is a new thing. But your new thing in this season might be a blessing to pray for the sick. Your new thing might be words of wisdom that you share with others that actually end up turning the course of their life. Your new thing might be discerning spiritually what's going on and helping someone see where the enemy's working so we're not unaware of the enemy's schemes. And those things would all be beautiful. And I would celebrate those just as much or more than if you received this expression of the Spirit.
Lord, thank you that you are not put in a box and that you are so much higher and so much smarter and you have all things in your hands. And so we trust you. And Lord, as we move from this very interesting topic to other things, I pray, God, that you would make us hungry for more of your spirit, hungry for more of you in our life. Would you just come and give the gifts that you have for us in Jesus' name? Fill us up, Holy Spirit. Transform us. We surrender to you today. I bless this congregation, those watching on the stream right now, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We will see you next week on the island as well as on the stream.